I've looked at female heads and unconsciously been like, well, actually quite consciously been like, have, have they got children? Have they, are they, what, what else are they doing? And I haven't found that many. And I think that's been quite isolating and think, oh, can I do it? Will, will I be able to do everything? Welcome to Voice in Education, the podcast. I'm Kathleen Kushney, founder of Voice in Education, a senior leader in education, trainer and coach. My mission is to help new leaders and teachers aspiring to leadership become confident in their ability to lead others successfully. Whether you're a new or aspiring leader, this podcast will help you to become confident in your ability to lead others successfully. We discuss key themes in education and personal development and how this can impact educational leadership. Let's move that needle from confusion and overwhelm to clarity and inspiration. This series is a collaboration with the MTPT project, Maternity Teacher, Paternity Teacher. All nine episodes of the Motherhood and Leadership series are sponsored by Teach First Networks. Find out details about all the networks on offer at www.teachfirst.org.uk forward slash networks. Naomi Shenton is mum to two young daughters. She has held a range of senior leadership positions in education and most recently is founding principal of a new special free school. She has worked both part-time and full-time in leadership roles and promotes flexible working opportunities for others. Previously an MTPT project representative, she now acts as an advocate for the charity. So welcome Naomi. Thank you for coming out of your summer holidays to do this conversation with us. And I think it's really important that we have this conversation before you embark on your new role. But before we start, could you share with us the quote that you want to share about leadership and all motherhood? So I've chosen a quote from Simon Sinek and his book, Leaders Eat Last. And the quote is, letting someone into an organisation is like adopting a child. And I've gone for that because like, obviously I'm a mum. So that's a big focus is looking after my children, bringing up my children. But actually in my role as founding a new school, I've done a lot of work on thinking about the culture and a lot of reading around how to develop that culture. And I've done a lot of staff recruitment. And I think Simon Sinek is is brilliant in terms of really looking at the, the people, the importance of the people and the importance of, and it's not necessarily related to education, but in terms of like business, it would be, you're not looking at your finances, not looking at bottom line, you're looking at, look at your people, your staff, they are what's really important and developing them. And it's exactly the same, I think, if not more important in education, that actually we really need to look after our people. And that's not just the pupils we're teaching. Obviously, it's really, really important that we're looking after them. But if we're not looking after our pupils, then if we're not looking after our staff, then actually we can't look after our pupils. And I, th- I think that's really, really important. Um, and I think there's real kind of parallels between being a mother and a leader in terms of looking after the team, nurturing. And I think that's really important. And I think as far as I'm concerned, my team is like my second family. And I think it's really important that actually that's how we treat people. Mm-hmm. That's so, it's so refreshing to hear that, that you're, you literally are starting with the thought of the people in mind and that you said that they're like a second family. Thinking about what you've just said about the quote and everything, what 
because you are going to be starting in September of your new school, what are you going to set straight away as a kind of like the ethos for, you know, staff? I think one of the things which again comes back to Sinek is the importance of a circle of safety. Um, because actually we're all in a position where we are going to make mistakes. And I think in terms of people being open and honest, it's really important that people are able to own up to that and say, I'm sorry, I did that. It went wrong. Or I tried that. Whereas I think if we, if we don't have that and if people are trying to hide their mistakes or trying to be competitive, then actually I think that's where things get really difficult. Because actually, if, if things are hidden, then it, then it comes more, it easily spirals. Whereas if things are out in the open, actually, they can be picked up on, we can all learn from them. So I think that's really important. And that's one of the things that I'm talking about with my team on inset days is that we are a circle of safety. And actually, we need to have that open, honest relationships within work. I'm not saying everyone's going to be best friends because we're colleagues and people have got lives outside of school. And that's really important. But actually, in terms of having that trust and, and building that trust as quickly as we can. Yeah, trust, that word's start coming up quite a lot. So thinking about the new school then, opening up in just a few weeks' time, <laughs> what, if, what has been your experience of planning for the opening of the new SEN school? So I've been involved in it from very early on. I was project manager for the um, new school. Back in 2020, I started doing that. So I was doing that alongside my assistant principal role. And then I, I did that for a year and then was appointed principal designate in autumn 21 and took over that role kind of officially in January 22. So I, I left my previous school, assistant principal, and went fully to this in January 22. So I've, I've been involved in every stage, essentially, of set up the school, which has been brilliant. So in conversations with the DfE, in recruiting the pupils, in com like conversations with parents, recruiting staff, buildings. I've learned an awful lot about the world of buildings and construction that I never thought I needed to know, that I'd never known previously. So, so it's, it's been really exciting. It's been a challenge. It's been busy. So obviously, in the midst of all this, I had two roles. So I was a senior leader in a secondary school. And was doing this as well as having two small children and getting through a pandemic. So yeah, it, it's been it's been busy. It's been really busy, but I, I've loved it, and I'm really excited now that we're in a position where we're actually opening. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. And you, I've just like took note of the word that you use. It's been busy. That's quite a a small word to describe what I can imagine was not was a bit more expansive than that. So can you just just dig a little deeper into what, what did the busyness look like? I think it, it was just very full on. So I was working four days and I was determined to keep my fifth day with my youngest. So my eldest started school in the midst of all this as well. So no, I wanted to be able to do school run. I wanted to be able to pick her up and I wanted to have some time with my youngest. But I was able to work it out so that Actually, for a while, I work during nap time and I was happy with that. I, it wasn't an issue of working for free because I, I was happy with the arrangement we'd got in terms of money. That wasn't the issue. And that was and that had been my boss had been excellent in that in terms of making sure that I, I was earning for what I was doing, if that made sense. But it worked for me to work in nap time while she was little because actually that 
that was a useful couple of hours where I could sit and get something done on my day off. So that was really helpful. And that took a bit of pressure off evenings. So, so that was really nice. It became more difficult as she stopped napping. My children have neither of them been very good nappers for very long, it has to be said. So as she got older and stopped napping, that's when it became very difficult because I then had lost any working time on a Friday. And that's the point where I just said, you know what, we, I need a bit more time for this. But again, like my employers were brilliant and they took then one of my days. So I then only went down to three days in school, which was brilliant. So I had one day entirely dedicated to the new school, which made things a bit easier. Again, some of the business was actually more manageable, believe it or not, during lockdown. So when we went back into winter lockdown, the spring 21, actually at that point, I could be more flexible with my working. So I was I was quite lucky, really, in that, yes, I was doing some online teaching, but I wasn't doing very much as a senior leader. So actually, I could then be more flexible about when I was fitting in project management work for the new school and when I was fitting in my assistant principal work. And yes, I was still getting lots done, but I was managing to fit it around homeschool for the children and everything else. So it was, it was full on, but that flexibility made it much, much more manageable for me because then I could fit it in with how it worked for, for my life and spending time with my children. And I know that you're an advocate for flexible working on part-time and you've worked both part-time and full-time. Can you explain though, I think you've probably given examples in just what you've just said, but why, why would you say that that really is important? I think in terms of being able to make, make choices for yourself. I know when I first went back to work part-time, it was after my eldest was born. I went back when she was about nine months old, eight, nine months old, and her sleeping really wasn't brilliant. So actually I had Wednesdays off then, which really was a catch up and a, a practical survival mode. I'm not sure I would have managed to get through five days on the amount of sleep I was doing with the driving I was doing and everything else. So yes, I got to spend time with her, which was lovely, but I also got to have that bit of a chill and a reset and start again to get through the next two days. So from a practical perspective, that was really, really beneficial to me at the time. Since then, I think it's less the practical and more the actually genuinely wanting to spend time with with children, which I think is really important. And I found when I was on, no, when I started with my second maternity leave, I'd really miss spending that time because I've been so busy up until that point. And I was like, actually, I've missed out on some time with my eldest, so I, I want that back. And I got that back in maternity leave with her. And that's why I was so determined to go back part time again, to have that quality time. But also, I think it gives a bit more room for thought, because actually, we are so full on in our lives. And, and we know that we are like teaching is really like busy. School leadership is really busy. And having that time to reflect and having that time to be slightly flexible, I think is really important in terms of personal growth and, and career development as well, actually. Mm, yes, you're absolutely right. I just loved what you said about, you know, gives room for thought because, you know, if we're always on that kind of wheel going, 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 you're never going to have time to stop and reflect. And it's in the reflections that you gain understanding and learning. But also when you're actually not doing work or you've actually stopped that ideas and kind of solutions or whatever we want to call it come to you. So yeah, it's a really good point that you've made. And I think because as mothers and, you know, as leaders that we busy in both aspects of our life, I think we've kind of got to kind of highlight the point of having time to 
have the room for four because it's it's really I think it's underestimated I think it's yeah it's really underestimated and I know when I first started so the, the last two terms have been a bit different really for me because I haven't been based in school obviously we've been doing the setup but I started in January and we were on work from home again. If you, if you were kind of in an office or what have you, you were supposed to work from home. So suddenly I was working from home because I wasn't actually in a school. And I found myself thinking, oh, actually, I am allowed to reflect. Actually, I've got a lot of thinking to do. And that is perfectly acceptable to do. But it, it took me a while to get into that position where I was like, actually, no, it is fine to read during the day. It is fine to reflect during the day. Because actually those are what will build the great school if you don't have time to do that. And, and I think it's, it's really hard to allow yourself to do that because I think we see being busy as being productive. And actually, if we take a step back and say, well, I know I do. If we take a step back and say, I need to reflect, it feels like you're not working. It feels like you're just, just, just thinking. And it's not just thinking, it's really, really important. Um, and reading is really, really important. Um, and I think it, it's, but it's tricky to allow ourselves to do that during the working day. And it is even trickier when you're in the chaos of school when there's everything else going on. And I know something that really helped me with that was, was coaching. So that allowing that time to reflect. And I think having that hour where you can really bounce ideas off and it really is about you and about your reflection. I, I think that's, a really nice way of helping you to reflect and kind of enabling reflection and, and making it something that you're allowed to do, if you like, giving you permission to do that. And I, I've, I've had a coach since January and that's something that we really like promote as an organisation, which is brilliant in terms of our principals have coaches and like external coaches, nothing to do with work, which I think is really, really important, that kind of independent external. Um, because then there's You've, allowed, you've got that permission for that sounding board. But also, I think it's really important for career development. So it's something that I did as return to work coaching when I was, well, as I came back from my second maternity leave. And I think that's part of how I made the leap from assistant principal to principal was the conversations that I had in that series of coaching sessions with her. And in terms of the thought processes that were sparked from that. And I think the kind of the, the career development that really, really came from that and the permission to, to do that. So I, I would highly recommend return to work coaching. And I, th- I think it's, it's really important um, because coming back to work from maternity leave is such a big moment in life. Yeah. 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 There's so much to process at that time, returning to work. And like you say, having that outside kind of person that you can you know ask the right questions allow you time to actually think through your processes is really important and what you said I think just to go back to is about the time to reflect I, I'm just thinking that really it was great that you had that and I think it's important to kind of highlight that the time to reflect or reflection and thinking time is basically the foundation of productivity because without without thinking about what you're going to do you could just be busy in in action and not actually be being productive as, as such you know might not actually be making progress so yeah I, that's a great great point about the thinking and reflection time 
And I'm just wondering what other roles flexibility has played in your life because your your kind of journey is quite slightly different. So what other roles has flexibility played in, you know, your life as a mother or a leader? I think, in, I suppose it's allowed me to do other things as well outside of my own school. So I'm now a parent governor for my daughter's school, which I don't think I, is something that I would have picked up on where I work in five days at the time. And it was like, oh, I've got time. I can, I can give it a go. And actually, I think there, there's quite a lot that I can pick up from that. And I've learned more. I'm secondary trained and that's my background. Whereas this is a primary school. And I think it's really interesting because to see the crossovers. And to see it's a completely different school to ones that I've worked in. So I think that's really interesting. And obviously seeing things from a governor's perspective, it's really interesting from a career development perspective. So I think that's that's really useful. Mm, great. A great answer, actually, because, you know, it's, it's good to have you explaining the difference between being a governor and being a leader and being a parent and all those different perspectives and what that brings to your actual personal development as well. So if you're thinking about how has yes, saying yes served you, there are, we know that there are benefits to saying yes to opportunities. So how can you explain how that has served you in your career? I think mainly in terms of seizing opportunities. And I think it can be really easy to see them and think no that's not for me or now isn't the right time I'm not going to be able to fit that in whereas actually I think saying yes has meant that I've been able to to move through things if we think really early on so I I trained to teach I I trained with teach first and then at the end of my second year of teach first so the year I was qualifying so my NQT year I then was looking at kind of other opportunities and was, was looking at similar roles, really. Um, I wasn't really looking for promotions at that stage. When someone who I'd worked with in another school spoke to me and said, hmm, we've got a head of department job coming up, what do you think? And I remember being a bit uncertain, thinking, not sure I'm ready for that yet, so I don't know. But actually, it was a really, really good step. So I applied for that role, got it. And it was my first kind of experience of leadership which I think was brilliant and I, I, I learned a lot from that role but I could very easily have said no I'm not ready yet and then kept waiting and I think I, I did that quite a bit I then when that school that role that role then there was a lot of change going on in the school and I thought actually this isn't really the place for me anymore and then saw something else which was a much much bigger school a much bigger bigger role as a core leader of big faculty and I thought I'm not, I'm, it's unlikely but I'll give it a go and actually then then went for that and then when I got the assistant principal role in the one that I've, I've just left in the trust that I'm still working with I'd been at the school in a different role by this point we'd relocated we'd started a family kind of things had chilled out a little bit career-wise just because we'd relocated and had a family um, so I'd gone there in a different role and the assistant principal role came up and I thought, mm, again, it's really not the right time. But it was it was my dream job, really, because back then when I'd left the school, that I'd, my first um, head of department job, one of the reasons I'd left was because I couldn't make the difference that I wanted to make as a middle leader. 
realistically, I needed to have more experience and be a senior leader in order to make the difference in that kind of school. And I'd gone off and got different experience. And actually, this job was the school I wanted to be in. And it was a senior leadership role. And I really could make that difference. So I ummed and ahed and ummed and ahed and thought, oh, no, I can't because of the family. But actually, it was the best decision I made. Um, it was it was the right thing to do. And actually, yes, I think I've, I'm, I'd like to think I've made like positive impact on the school, but also it's made a significant impact on me and my career. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting there is like, you know, you do say yes. We know that you say yes to the opportunities, but that you've explained the kind of thought process that go in your head before that so yeah you do think oh mm, no it's a process that you're thinking for the decision and I think it's it's really refreshing to hear that although yes you go for the opportunities that you do have that kind of questioning in your mind because I think sometimes people outside just kind of look and think oh she goes for everything oh she's really bright you know but it's nice to kind of hear the thought process and that there are sometimes the kind of questions of, I don't want to say doubt, but, you know, just questions as, is this right for me? You know, and when we do have those questions, is this right for me? Am I ready for this? I think sometimes people slip into the kind of think, oh, they start doubting themselves. We're really questioning whether you're ready or right or, or what the next stage is, is part of the process of development anyway. So I just kind of want to highlight that. Because it goes hand in hand with saying yes. Let's flip it. What is your relationship with saying no? And how good are you? How good are you at saying no? Not brilliant at saying no. Um, And I think one of the reasons for that is that I do genuinely really love my job and love I won't say every, but most aspects of it. So actually, there are there was lots of opportunities that you see and you think, oh, I would love to do that. The CPD opportunities that would be brilliant. You think, oh, I really learn from that. That would be excellent. And then it's really easy to get to a point where you think, I haven't got the time or the headspace to do all this. I could do all of this training if I had the time, but actually, it wouldn't make an impact because it wouldn't go in because you just haven't got the headspace for all that. And I think it's really tricky to have that balance between saying yes because it looks exciting it looks interesting and thinking actually have I got the time and capacity to do that properly have I got the time and capacity to make that effective and will it be at the detriment of another aspect of my life and I think one example from last autumn so we had a member of our team who was on maternity leave and she was our ECT mentor. So I was like, oh, I love mentoring. I love it. I'll do it. I'll I'll pick up the mentoring in her absence. Absolutely fine. And I was determined to do it. I really enjoyed it. I thought, not a problem, not a problem. And actually, two people both sat me down and said, really, Naomi? Like, yes, you could do it brilliantly, but you have not got the time. What What will slip if this happens? Think about priorities. We can find someone else to do that. We can't find someone else to do and listed various other things I was doing at the time. So I, I did end up saying no to that one under persuasion, but it's, it's really made me reflect and think, actually, what else do I potentially need to say no to? What, what do I need to prioritize? Um, and I think I'm getting better. It's, it's a journey, but I think I'm getting better at reflecting a little bit before I commit to things. Actually, can I do it properly? Can I be effective? Have I got the time? Mm. And I just want to champion the people that stopped you and sat you down and spoke to you about it, to be honest. 
that's, that's great leadership, isn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> but actually says, um, Naomi, just gave you a little check in there. So you then could actually prompt you to reflect on it yourself. I think that's fantastic because sometimes, you know, in schools that doesn't happen. So that's, that's to be celebrated in itself, the supportive network that you've got around you, you know, just checking in to make sure that you do remain balanced and everything. And I really like the question that you said, have I got the time and capacity to do this properly? I think if we ask ourselves that every day, I think that would help with our productivity in everything that we do, really, because it just enables you to kind of think, decide, and then actually bring your focus to whatever task or decision or whatever it is that you're working towards at that time. So thanks for sharing that question. I think it's really, really useful. And just speaking about no and and that aspect, have you experienced any negative voices you know, along your journey, because we all know that we have them over there from our own heads or from outside. But have you experienced that at all? Is there anything that you want to share about that just to give it a kind of reality? Yeah, I think one of the the key kind of almost memorable experiences of those negative voices was when I was considering applying for the assistant principal role. So I've already mentioned that I spent a lot of time considering that and it seemed like the dream job. But on the other hand, I was weighing up the needs of the family. And there was lots of people who said to me, some of them very well meaningly, I think, oh, are you sure you can't do that with small children? Or if you do that, you'll never be able to have another child. You can't. And it was, it made me think. And realistically, I didn't really believe them. But on the other hand, if people are saying that to you, then you think, oh, can I? Like, I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to be that bad mum who's just going straight ahead with her own ambitions and forgetting about her family. And there there was quite a lot of that. Oh, how are you going to look after the children? What are you going to do? What's going to happen? Oh, you, you, you can't possibly have another child. Or don't you want another child? I, th- I thought you, and you'd be, you can't have one now. And interestingly, there was, there was a few roles because we there was a whole like, shake up, a whole new senior leadership team was created at the time. So there were multiple assistant principal roles. And there was a man who also was going for the roles. And he was pretty much the same age as me, been teaching the same length of time, married with a daughter pretty much the same age as mine. And um, he didn't get any of those questions. I spoke to him afterwards and said, did anyone ask you that? And he said, no, why would they? And was completely taken aback by even the idea that anyone would have asked it. Whereas I'd had it repeatedly. We were both successful. We, we worked together as senior leaders. Both of them went on to have a second child and it, it was fine. But so, so those similarities were there, but they were never, never talked about. And actually, we were both in a position on a Monday night when we had an SLT meeting where we were looking at our watches and thinking, I hope this finishes soon because we want to go home for bedtime. So we, we were both very similar in that perspective and we used to be able to sit, um, stand on duty and chat about the kids and commiserate having had a bad night's sleep or what have you but from the outside he wasn't seen in the same way as I was. Mm, yeah common thread that um, you know we've had um, in these conversations and as we know um, speaking with colleagues something that I think really does need to change now you know we're you know, mother and the father are parents. <laughs> it's not just the mother's child, is it? You know, two takes two, as they say. So yeah, it really does need to change. I think we kind of need to call that out really when that happens, I think, in order to like, oh, to just 
just like we do with other things that are quite topical at the moment, I think we just need to just make the person aware who's asking those, those questions as to why they're asking them. Because generally, it's usually their fear themselves of what they are capable of doing or, you know, as such that's being projected. So, yeah, um, thanks for highlighting that. And I'm just thinking, really, so we're talking about, you know, those questions, being a parent. How, how would you say being a parent has impacted your leadership as such? I think one of the things is um, we've talked a lot about the difference between business and productivity. I think you have to become a lot more productive just from a time perspective. And those boundaries that you didn't necessarily have before have to come in now because from a practical perspective, you just don't have enough time. You have to be able to get away at a certain time of the day. Actually, you might be able to do some work in the evening, but chances are it's separated around bedtime and everything else. So you have to be more productive, which I think is really important. And I think, so that's quite helpful from a practical efficiency perspective. I also think I'm a lot more understanding and I think that's really helpful. So in terms of how I deal with parents, I I think that's a lot kind of possibly, I've kind of, I'm toying with the word compassionate and I would like to think that I was compassionate before I had children as well. But I think there's that, that greater understanding once you've had your own children. And I think actually from a in school perspective dealing with like that increased patience as well and dealing with pupils which also actually I think can have the flip side the other way so being quite used to dealing with children who are struggling in school actually can then help you when you've got a toddler who is struggling to regulate themselves at home so I think there's flip sides where the two are actually quite beneficial for each other Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting what you said about, you know, the dealing with parents and as you, once you become a mother, because quite a few people that I've spoken to have said the same thing. It's like there's almost like a, as a, a switch. As soon as you become a mother, it's like, oh, oh yeah. So the empathy level is kind of just rises. I was going to say ever so slightly, a lot. It rises a lot. <laughs> you know, it's not slightly. You, you know what's going on once you're a mother. You kind of think, mm, actually, let's look at it from a different um, set of eyes as a mother and as a leader or as a mother, as, as a teacher or a member of staff in the educational system. I think the flip side of that, though, we need to be really careful about parent, about teachers and school leaders who aren't parents. Um, and I think that I've certainly seen some things and had some conversations where they can feel alienated because actually someone said, well, you're not a parent, so you wouldn't understand. And, and I don't think that's fair. I think actually we, we've all got things to bring. Um, but I would certainly say that I've developed as a teacher and a leader since I've had my children. Mm, thanks for highlighting that. One really little practical thing was just when like, I will now, teachers will, like, no, so parents, I will always introduce myself as Naomi never was Mrs. Shenton. And that came from like being at the hospital um, with my eldest and the way like a doctor who introduced themselves by their first name. And it just felt so much more kind of warm and personable than those who were using their surnames. So from now on, I introduced myself as Naomi, just because actually I think it helps to remove some of those barriers. 
That's interesting you say that because in a school that I work at, we are on a first name basis with the children as well. So I didn't, but if, because it's like that, I didn't actually realize the impact that that can have. And just you explaining that makes it really highlighted why that's so effective because yeah, the bring it, it immediately does bring down the barriers. You're right. Because we're all, we're all just people, aren't we? Just having a conversation regardless of, you know, if it's challenging, if you're showing something nice or whatever it is, we're all just people. So through these conversations, I've noticed that it's become apparent that asking for support is kind of like a vital ingredient for progression. So what support have you accepted in your leadership? I think I'm not very good at asking for support, it has to be said. I'm getting better again. But I think there's certain people over my career who have been very influential. And that's been because they've offered support, they've provided that time that I've needed, or they've really, I think probably most crucially, pushed me and encouraged me. And I, I think that's been the the real thing that's been the most helpful probably for me is someone to be able to say no you can do this right like kind of a, a champion if you like and I think and trusting you to to have a go at something I think has been really important and actually I think that's something that I, I've learned from people like that who really have championed me that I'm now in a position where I need to make sure that I'm championing other people and I need to make sure that I'm really supporting other people's career development mm, yeah yeah, right. It's it's that circle again, you know, you've received it and then you pass it on in, in different ways. So effective. And as we're coming to the end, I'm just wondering what resources or points of reference that you would recommend for mothers wanting to enter leadership or headship? I think I can't recommend enough MTPT project and looking at their website. And I think the real thing that I got from that was finding role models and seeing other people were doing it so at that point where I was really doubting myself about whether to apply for a senior leadership role I really couldn't see many other women who were doing it and throughout my career I've looked at female heads and unconsciously been like well actually quite consciously been like have, have they got children have they are they what, what else are they doing and I haven't found that many and I think that's been quite kind of isolating and think oh can I do it will, will I be able to do everything whereas MTPUT project is is full of that which I think is really really brilliant and actually I, it wasn't it wasn't linked to that but I was at a heads conference in July where there was one head who attended who was heavily pregnant about to go on maternity leave another who came on maternity leave and brought her baby with her and another who arrived late because she'd taken her daughter to um, induction day at primary school. And I just thought that was so powerful in terms of representation of mother leaders. So I think MTPT product is, is a way to find them and to see those role models and to have those conversations for that inspiration, which I think is really, really important. Mm, fantastic. Well, it's nice to end on that. And if our listeners want to connect with you online, how can they do that? So I'm on Twitter at Mrs. Underscore Shenton. Lovely. And I'll add that to the show notes. And so to round up, I'm going to ask you three deep dive statements and a random question. Leadership and motherhood can work very well together. If I knew then that... I would have given myself more permission to reflect and think. 
Schools that are successful look after all of their people. And your random question. You have the ability to alter opinions in society. Whose opinions would you change, challenge and why? I would want to challenge people's opinions who are very stuck in their bubbles and can't see necessarily what's going on outside of their bubble particularly potentially and this might get a bit political those who are possibly in power and can't see outside Mm -hmm. Mm. great and we all know well let's just leave it there Let's just leave it there. Great answer. Thank you so much for your time, Naomi. That has been really, really insightful, particularly talking about your return to work and your journey and the thought processes. So we've really highlighted why it's important to say yes and equally why saying no and the boundaries that come with that and why that's important. So thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Saying yes or really having the confidence to say yes has enabled Naomi to progress in her career. I think the point she highlighted about considering whether you have the time and capacity to say yes is a great lesson. Saying yes leads to opportunities, but equally so does saying no. No opens up space for you, for your family and for others. As always, if something has resonated for you or perhaps an aspect of this conversation has made you think please do share your reflections on social media. You can always contact me directly using the details in the show notes. If you're on Twitter, share your thoughts using the hashtags MTPTProject, hashtag Motherhood and Leadership, and hashtag VoiceInEd. Until our next episode, be safe, be well, but most importantly, keep growing. Remember, there is power in your voice and it all starts with a conversation.